Welcome back to another Highlights and Hype episode of That's So Chronic with me, Jess Bryan, where we unpack the final week of the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games. Throughout this episode, we follow on from last Sunday's episode with a recap of what's been happening for the New Zealand Paralympians, as well as some fun facts that I've discovered throughout the week. And we also check back in with Lauren Dewhurst. And I mean, amazingly, they've made history with the first female player to win gold and we get an insight into what you do with a Paralympic medal from none other than New Zealand Paralympian Rory McSweeney (laughs) okay so welcome to That's So Chronic well now they're away Sophie Parker he knew Paralympic champion not enough to win the gold medal Where I left you last Sunday was just before Lisa Adams and Caitlin Dore competed in the women's F37 shot put final. Lisa Adams absolutely dominated this event, throwing 15.12 metres, which resulted in a Paralympic record and, drumroll please, the gold medal. Caitlin threw 9.03 metres to ultimately place eighth. On Saturday, we also saw Danielle Aitchison win her heat in the women's 200 metre T36 heat, and she progressed to the finals. Sunday saw the headline that the two para-athletes from Afghanistan who weren't going to be able to make it to Tokyo and compete had arrived at the Games. In a statement from the International Paralympic Committee, they said that with the global help of several individuals, organisations and government, the pair were evacuated from Afghanistan to land in France and then on to the Paralympic Games in Tokyo. They've both expressed that they don't wish to speak to any media. New Zealand also won another medal on Sunday with Danielle Aitchison finishing second in the women's 200 meter T36 final and getting the silver medal. And of course, it was the gold medal match in wheelchair rugby. It was such an intense game between Great Britain and the USA and I just had to ask friend of the podcast and Otago Wheelander Lauren Dewhurst how she found the final game. Oh, so there was just so much energy and so much anxiety throughout the entire game and I actually have to say I wasn't having the best day and was actually falling asleep in the first quarter. Yeah. But as soon as, you know, things started warming up and getting quite tense, I was wide awake and, you know, forced myself to stay up because it was just too exciting to miss. And there was no way I wanted to watch a replay because, wow, that scoreline was tight right until that, like, you know, last dramatic quarter. And oh, it was so, it was just so exciting. And it was amazing. Just every second of it. Amazing. It was an incredible watch because I think for me, I was like, I didn't see the beginning of the game. I just caught the end of it. And I think I was in that moment, I was thinking like, this is exactly what you want from a final, like a gold medal match. Yeah. Because both teams were like the same level of amazing. Oh, definitely. I think, you know, that it was two of the best teams for sure uh, in the final. And I think that the way that they played, it was so, so close, like neck and neck throughout the entire match almost. And, you know, it did show that they really had put their best foot forward for the game. And 
it was awesome. It was so, so cool to see um, how fast-paced the game was as well. Like, I think it was probably one of the best matches of the um, Paralympics. And then there was this moment where I think one of the players from the USA team, he threw the ball backwards. Like, he was sort of, like, trapped. People were tackling him right in the middle of the court. And then he just threw the ball backwards. And someone caught it and scored a try. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Yeah, such a magic moment. I think it's it was those sorts of plays that really separated the boys from the men, you know, just thinking on your feet and being able to get out of those sticky situations. Yeah. And yeah, that was a very cool moment, actually, for sure. It was amazing. And I was thinking back to our last chat when we were talking about wheelchair rugby last Sunday. And you were saying that you really hope in the final that there would be a team that has a female player. Yeah. And Great Britain did have a female player. Oh, they did. And I mean, amazingly, they've made history with the first female player to win gold in wheelchair rugby at the Paralympics, which is so fantastic. Kylie Grimes, uh, she competed in 2012 as well in London and then actually spent the next Paralympics as part of the athletics team. So she's only just rejoined the, yeah, only just rejoined the Great Britain squad this Paralympics. And I think it was uh, such a smart move on her part. And she really was an integral member of the team. So it was so cool to see a woman up on that podium with the gold. It was really special, actually. And yeah, I'm really, really happy for her. Yeah. So the final score was Great Britain 54, USA 49. Yes. It was so close. So, so close. And yeah, I think right up until that last quarter where Great Britain did sort of pull away a little bit, I think it was such an even match. And I think both teams should be very proud with how they played. And it was like they were scoring tries within like 10 seconds. Yeah. There was 45 seconds left on the clock and so much happened. Because when I think about 45 seconds, I'm like, that's nothing. That is no time at all. Mm. But yeah, when I was watching this game, I was like, five things have just, major things have just happened in 45 seconds. Like, it is so fast paced. Oh, exactly. And I think those two teams, they are very much the best of the best. And being able to um, yep. deliver so many tries in such a short amount of time, you know, is incredible. And yeah, it was such a good watch for that reason as well. I mean, it would have been nice to see, obviously, New Zealand in the final or also Australia, but yeah. it was nice to see um, Great Britain take that gold. So I think it was well-deserved and they really, really fought for it. I also got very invested in the gold medal men's paratable tennis singles class five match between Germany and China. Like we are talking screaming at my TV invested and Germany eventually took the gold medal there, but it, it looked close from where I was sitting. Monday saw day six and a big old day for my heart. New Zealand had Michael Johnson competing in the mixed 10 metre air rifle standing SH2 qualifications and finals where he placed 6th. In the pool we saw Jesse Reynolds swim in the men's 100 metre backstroke S9 heat and final placing 6th and Sophie Pascoe placed 3rd in her heat in the 100 metre backstroke S9 and went on to have a huge race in the finals where she won a bronze medal. She broke down 
on actually while being interviewed by Michelle Prendeville for One News after this race and said that she felt the pain of giving it absolutely everything and it just not being good enough. She was incredibly gracious though and she went on to receive her medal with pride which she has now nicknamed Rosé. Also just a side note if you've been watching the Paralympic Games here in New Zealand how freaking incredible is Michelle Prendeville? I feel like she has such a huge job of being in Tokyo with just her and her cameraman Cam, I think his name is, and she is just absolutely smashing it. She is the most perfect hype woman and she's also super compassionate when she's interviewing the para-athletes which I think is really important. It's been so 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 cool watching her work and I've just been really stoked that she got this opportunity. And then we headed to the stadium for the athletics. While I was waiting for William Stedman to compete in the men's long jump T36 final, I was watching the visually impaired athletes in the sprints. And it got me researching a little bit more about the role of the guides, which then led me to the documentary on the Olympic channel called The Invisible Bond. If you listened to last Tuesday's That's So episode, you know how much I love documentaries. I've linked it in the show notes because it's just a 52 minute documentary and I really recommend it. It follows various visually impaired athletes and their guides in sports such as running, cycling and triathlon. I learned an interesting fact. Someone in the documentary said that there wasn't a blind or visually impaired athlete in the Paralympics until 1976 and Bob Matthews was one of the first. His guides speak in the film, which was really cool and really interesting to hear what they all had to say. We learn that a visually impaired athlete will usually have more than one guide, usually training guides and competition guides, due to the logistics of training schedules, and that the guides are so much more than just guides. They really do become best friends. Not everyone can be a guide, of course. The guide has to be a little bit faster than the para-athlete, which does make sense. And to be a guide for a top para-athlete, you really have to be pretty blimmin' good yourself. Which, as they say in the film, means that it takes a really special person to commit fully to being a guide as opposed to trying to have your own sporting solo career. Poetry in motion is how it was described in the film. And you only have to see how in sync physically and mentally the para-athletes and their guides are by watching one of these events at the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics to see that, yeah, poetry in motion really is the best way to describe it. There was also a moment during these Paralympic Games where after the women's 200 meter T11 heat, an athlete's guide dropped down on one knee and proposed. Usually I'm a bit skeptical of these public proposals but that is definitely just a cynical me thing it was quite cute and she ultimately said yes the commentators were so funny in the following days afterwards they'd like reference it all the time and be like oh it would be a bit awkward if she'd said no (laughs) but alas she said yes and then with the one news live stream on my laptop the duke coverage on my tv the live updates on the paralympics official website and the update 
updates on Paralympics NZ Facebook page, I was able to watch and follow along and see William Steadman win a silver medal in the long jump. He really toyed with our emotions during this event because it was on his last jump where he jumped 5 meters 64 to claim the silver medal. I think he was in fifth place up until that moment or something like that. And it was just absolutely ridiculous and just so exciting at around midnight to be watching and following along with this. And only a mere 14 hours later on Tuesday, day seven of the Paralympic Games, William Steadman headed back to the stadium to compete in the men's 400 meter T36 final. And he won bronze! A huge and impressive 16 hours for him and I'm sure he won't forget that anytime soon. Another memorable moment was Anna Stevens setting a new Oceania record in her 200 meter T64 heat all on her 21st birthday, which is, I mean, what a way to see in your 21st year. On Tuesday, we also saw Anna Taylor, Sarah Ellington, Nicole Murray, Elcha Molesbender, Stephen Hills and Rory Mead take to their bikes and trikes for the para road cycling. We also saw Sophie Pascoe win her 10th ever Paralympic gold medal in the 100 meter freestyle S9 event. She placed third in her heat and gave it absolutely everything in the final. Which leads us to Wednesday, day eight. Badminton made its debut at the Paralympics on this day, and I realised my love for the sport of boccia. I watched bronze medal match between Great Britain and Australia, and I was just shook at the level of precision these athletes had and how strategic it all was. I loved learning more about boccia and I'm really excited to learn more. But Wednesday was a ginormous day for our New Zealand Paralympians, so let's break it all down. At the athletics, we had Danielle Aitchison compete in the 100m T36 final where she ran her heart out and won a bronze medal for New Zealand. There was a funny moment while watching her race though. I think it was just before Danielle ran and the commentator was like, gosh, it's a bit chilly today. I left so early this morning and I didn't bring a jacket. (laughs) I was like, yes, we have all been there, mate. I know exactly how you feel. We also had Michael Johnson placing ninth in the shooting parasport and Rory Mead placing fifth in the men's H12 road race. And then we went to the pool. Tupo Nuefi placed fifth in the 50 meter freestyle S8 final and Jesse Reynolds swam well in the 200 meter individual medley SM9 heats and final placing seventh. Nikita Howarth just missed out on a medal in the 100m breaststroke SB7 final, placing fourth. And Sophie Pascoe swam till she could not swim no more in the 200m individual medley SM9 event to get another gold medal for herself and for New Zealand. She left absolutely everything that she had in the pool and on the side of the pool, where she actually passed out, vomited, and had to be given oxygen. The medal ceremony was actually delayed slightly so that she could recover and receive her 19th Paralympic Games medal. She has 11 golds, 7 silvers and 1 bronze in what one can only describe as an absolutely freaking amazing career. Watching the swimming at these Paralympic Games has been a huge highlight for me as well as Lawrence. I am 
always so impressed and amazed with the swimmers. I think it's incredible how the human body can move in the water, you know, particularly when there's swimmers who are missing multiple limbs and things and they're able to go so fast and they're just so skilled and I think that's fantastic. And of course, Sophie Pascoe in the pool as well. I think, you know, she's such a fantastic Paralympian and it's so wonderful to see her. We definitely need to chat about Sophie Pascoe. Isn't she amazing? <laughs> I was I like made an Instagram story where I was like, make her a dame, make her a knight, give her a million dollars. She's just incredible. Oh, she definitely is. And I think, you know, Sophie really embodies, you know, giving something your all and really putting everything out on the line. And I mean, we've seen her efforts in the pool over this past sort of week. It's been so so incredible seeing her really push herself to the limits you know and I know that she wasn't always happy with the results that she got but I could not be more proud of her I think she really did give it her all and she's you know showing disabled Kiwis everywhere that anything is possible. She's a true hero and it's exactly like what you say she really embodies the spirit of the Paralympics and she is just so proud every time she wears that silver fern Mm. and she is so cool when she walks from out the back (laughs) to the pool and she's got her hood on and her track pants and her goggles and she just looks so cool. And I was thinking about those moments. It must be so stressful walking out and then there's like no time Mm. between walking out, you get ready and then you jump in the pool and you go. There's really not a lot of time and it must just be so stressful and so much pressure in that moment. Oh, most definitely. And I think there'd be pressure coming, you know, not only from like her supporters, but obviously there'd be that sort of internalized pressure as well. And I think you'd really need to be in the zone. And I think that I'm sure Sophie would say herself, she, she was thrown at times. And I think that lack of being able to prepare in terms of not having much international competition because of the pandemic, I think that would have really impacted on sort of even knowing what the playing field was going to be like. Like we know she's one of the best, but there are so many up and coming young swimmers who really just gave it their all as well. And obviously that ended up resulting in Sophie not always getting the results that she was hoping for or that she possibly was capable of. But no, I think that... In general, like I think it's been such an amazing campaign for her and I'm so proud of all of the medals that she did. And I mean, four medals, you know, got those two golds, yeah. a silver and a bronze. Like, how fantastic. What a time for her. And I think she should be very proud. I'm certainly proud of her anyway. And here at That's So Chronic, we are definitely proud of Sophie Pascoe. I need to start the debrief of Thursday with a mention to just how absolutely revolting the weather was in Tokyo on this day. I'm sitting in my little house in Christchurch watching the cyclists compete in the worst conditions fathomable. I don't even know how it was allowed for everybody to compete in those conditions, but I guess you just compete in whatever conditions there are. The camera operator occasionally was like wiping the lens of the camera because you like couldn't see anything. I really felt for everybody involved, like whether they were racing or whether they were the marshals or whether they were helping organizer or they were the camera people they're just out there battling the elements and they were especially having to battle the elements on day nine 
Thursday. Also on Thursday in my personal life, my immune system actually shut down and decided to be a little shit if I'm being honest with you. So my day was spent on the couch watching non-stop Paralympics coverage. In the pool, Sophie Pascoe qualified with the third fastest time to go through to the finals in the women's 100 meter butterfly and what would be her final swim of the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games. She was in the lead for the majority of the race but towards the end the other swimmers were just able to push past Sophie to take all three of the medals. On the road for the paracycling, Nicole Murray placed sixth in the women's C4-5 road race, as did Stephen Mills in the men's T1-2 road race. And in the women's T1-2 road race, unfortunately, Alcha Molsbender did not finish. We made our debut today in the para canoe. Scott Martlew in the men's KL2 heats, where he won and is straight through to the final on the next day. He also raced in the VL3 heats, placing sixth, and he competes in the semi-final tomorrow. We also saw Corbin Hart race in the men's KL3 heats, placing sixth and progressing to the semi-finals tomorrow. This is actually Corbin's first Paralympics after losing his leg in a civil road accident at the end of 2019. He initially had the goalposts set for Paris 2024, but then the goalposts shifted slightly, and it saw him qualify to represent New Zealand for the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games and we are stoked to have him in our New Zealand team. I also watched a bit of archery today and excuse my ignorance but I just could not believe how far away the target was. People listening that do archery are probably like oh my god Jess yeah that that's just normal but it was truly impressive to me and then they'd like get it right in the middle. Oh incredible. And then At midnight New Zealand time, Anna Stephen was set to compete in the women's 100m T64 round one heats and was brutally disqualified due to a false start. My heart was broken and I needed to chat to Lauren about this. Oh, I am so incredibly gutted for her. I mean, I'm grateful that she was able to, you know, race in other events at yeah. the Paralympics. But oh, what what a way to go out. You know, obviously there's rules are there for a reason. But, yeah. you know, gosh, my yeah, when I saw her, I was just absolutely devastated for her. But I think that she's, she's really taken it in her stride and I'm proud of her for that. And it just sucks that she had to go out that way. But yeah, rules are rules, I guess. And yeah, it's certainly something that I'm sure she'll learn from. It was devastating in that moment where her hands just yeah. went straight to her face and she must have known like, oh my God, that was me. Because I was reading an article that she was like, I've been practicing yes. the starts so much because she has opted for a standing start as opposed to crouching like a lot of the other athletes do. Mm. And so I guess that because of that, she's had to be even more conscious and mindful of her starts. And so she's been practicing. And then, yeah, for this to happen, for that sound to go off straight after they started running. Oh, I don't even know what she must have been feeling in that moment. Just so devastating. Oh, most definitely. And I actually was thinking the other day, I hope I didn't jinx her. I haven't seen too many false starts at these games, but no, I think that she's done an incredible job regardless. And it's certainly something I'm sure that she will take forward with her for future races. 
There was also some good news on this day, though, on Thursday. You might have seen across the internet the articles circulating about the inequality in some countries in terms of the pay that they award their medal-winning Olympians and Paralympians. In particular, Australia was in the headlines, who would award a 20,000 AUD bonus to anyone who won gold in the Olympics and a whopping $0 for any gold medal-winning Paralympian. However, thanks to the pressure on social media and the uproar from Australians, on Thursday, Scott Morrison, the Australian Prime Minister, said... I'm very pleased to announce that the government will provide additional support to Paralympics Australia to ensure our Paralympic medalists will receive equivalent payments to our Olympic medalists. I read in the article that here in New Zealand, Olympic medal winners and Paralympic medal winners both receive nothing. So yeah, I don't really know how I feel about that either. (laughs) Moving on. We then head into Friday, the second to last day of events for the Kiwi team, and another atrocious day on the weather front. In the pool, Nikita Howarth placed sixth in the women's 50-metre butterfly S7 final. On the road, Sarah Ellington placed 12th in the women's C13 road race. On the water, Scott Martlew, fourth in the men's KL2 final A. And in the men's KL3 race, Corbin Hart made it through to the semi-finals to make it to the finals and ultimately place fifth. Then on the field in the women's T47 long jump, Anna Grimaldi jumped 5 meters 76, setting a new Paralympic record and winning the gold medal. Then Holly Robinson competed in the women's javelin throw F46 in the evening and it was looking like she was a strong contender for the bronze medal and then out of nowhere on her last throw she pulled a William Steadman on us. She threw 40 meters 99 to secure the gold medal. That was an incredible watch and a huge thank you to One News for live streaming it on their website. It was, oh, I was like I couldn't breathe. Now, due to having to get this episode recorded and edited in time to reach your podcast feeds by Sunday morning, there are a couple of events still to go for our Kiwi Paralympians and I'm unable to give you the results for. That is Scott Martlew competing in the VL3 Paracanoe event, Michael Johnson in the mixed 50 meter rifle prone SH2 and Lisa Adams in the women's discus throw F38 final. Make sure you head to Paralympics NZ on social media for the most up-to-date information or head to at that so chronic on Instagram where I will be posting the final medal count for New Zealand. Speaking of medals, I had some burning questions about medals and who better to ask than Rory McSweeney, a Paralympic bronze medalist. The medals. You've got a bronze medal. What do you do with it? Do you frame it? Are you scared you're going to lose it? Is it heavy? I want to know everything about this medal. <laughs> okay, so I've got I've got two medals. I've got a world championship silver and a Paralympic bronze, and they're um, at mum and dad's. Okay. In a wardrobe. In a wardrobe. <laughs> what is going on? How bad is that? How bad is that? Like my <laughs> mum and dad is so proud. It's so proud. Let's just like smash them in the wardrobe. For safekeeping, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't decided what to do with them. Like, I probably, I could have, 
I should have framed them like with my competition singlet or something like that. That would have been cool. But no, they're just, they've only come out a few times, you know? Yeah. It's, it's strange. It's like, that's the whole thing that I was saying to you before. It's like, for me, obviously you want to win a medal. Like, obviously. And you want to win. You want to win gold. Yeah. Like, that's what I was aiming for. But the actual medal is, yeah, it's like the memories, right? It's yeah. more important, not the thing yeah. that, you, that they give you. Yeah. You're not tempted to just wear it around your neck for some Zoom meetings that you might have coming up today? <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I totally should, like, um, <laughs> definitely just, like, open the blazer with this. Yeah, I'll Ooh, think about that one, it. Jess. I'll see if I can bust them out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can credit me when anyone buying insurance <laughs> yeah. talks about it. Yeah, 100%, 100%. <laughs> We met Rory in last Sunday's episode, so if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I do recommend catching up so you can hear how he got to the Rio 2016 Paralympic Games. But eventually, after 10 years and multiple injuries, Rory retired. So after 10 successful years, you did retire from the sport. I did, yeah. I was reading online that there were multiple injuries and things popping up in your body that just meant it wasn't sustainable. Yeah, like I mean the main one was my shoulder. So I had a shoulder surgery for a torn rotator cuff and a torn labrum. So it's like front and back of my shoulder. So long sort of rehab and I did get back to throwing but it was just horribly painful like horribly painful like crazy like I've had some bad injuries but the shoulder was like and and specifically trying to throw after the throat the, the shoulder surgery was yeah. like super super painful and strangely enough though like and I'm not throwing far like I was throwing like not far basically, and doing no damage to my shoulder though. So it was like this real strange pain thing where it's like, I don't know, I remember talking to a physio and it's like neurological, it's like weird. It's like you think like that much pain, you've damaged yourself, but it wasn't. So there was, yeah, there there was that. And I sort of finished studying and was thinking, okay, what need to think about the future as well. And so, yeah, I got an opportunity to move to Auckland and, and start, working for Partners Life, an insurance company, which was, which was really cool. And yeah, so life changed. And um, I don't know, now now the Paralympic Games are back on. I'm like starting to lift weights again and thinking, hey, maybe I could come back. Yeah. The shoulder feels pretty good now. So, but I don't know if that's just a male thing, you know, when you like think, I've still got yeah. it, I've still got <laughs> it. And then, and then I'll go out and throw a gem and I'll be like, oh, no, I don't, I don't. <laughs> but I don't know, I think I might like, throw this summer okay okay watch this space yeah it's a little that's so chronic exclusive right now i love it yeah <laughs> normally i wouldn't release that sort of information i keep my cards close to my chest you know but there you go wow <laughs> well thank you so much for chatting with me today no worries thanks for having me on it's been a pleasure there is no denying that this year's paralympic games has been like a Paralympic Games like no other. There have been so many incredible moments throughout the last 12 days. My favourite part of everything would just be how many incredible stories I've gotten to listen to and gotten to learn from so many Paralympians across the world, not even just our New Zealand Paralympians. It's been really amazing hearing our New Zealand Paralympians' stories on Attitude and having that aired on TVNZ in the morning. It's also been really 
amazing to get to know so many other Paralympians that are living with MS, multiple sclerosis, like me. And it's been really empowering to watch them represent their countries and win medals and just be amazing. And that has been really, really cool. Lauren has also had some incredible moments throughout the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games. And I asked if she would share them with us today. Oh gosh, I have so many standout favorite moments from Tokyo 2020, that's for sure. I think the big one for me, and I know I've talked about it before, but the novelty never wore off was every time New Zealand played a game of wheelchair rugby, you know, seeing them sing the national anthem and then do the haka on the course just it got me every time. It was just such an incredible, like, adrenaline-filled feeling. And it just made me feel so proud to be a New Zealander. And also so proud to also play that sport. I think it was just, I know that, you know, Team New Zealand didn't end up advancing to the finals at all. But just seeing them out there doing their thing just made me so happy and just filled me with pride. So that's definitely a big standout moment for me. As a Dunedin local, I have to say, seeing fellow Dunedinites, Holly Robinson and Anna Grimaldi doing so well and winning gold in their respective sports was also incredible. The amount of emotion and talent that went into that was just unbelievable. And I'm so proud of them. I think also just all of the Paralympic spirit that's been on display. I think it's so incredible and special to see athletes helping each other out and really celebrating each other's success. And, you know, I think that really is what the Paralympics is about. And even just, you know, for Team New Zealand, every time an athlete comes back to the village, you know, regardless of how their event went, the fact that, you know, everyone would gather around and celebrate their successes and, you know, what they'd managed to achieve. I think that's so special. And, It made me so happy seeing all of the athletes, whether it was embracing or presenting each other with their medals or whatever it looked like. Just there were so many special moments from that. And I think that that really did embody what the Paralympics is all about and made me very happy to see it. And so that's the end of our That's So Chronic Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games coverage. I hope you've been enjoying these episodes. I certainly have loved piecing all of the episodes together. I want to say a huge thank you to Paralympics NZ for all of their support in creating these episodes. Now, I do have a small favor to ask. If you've been enjoying these episodes, would you be able to send me a quick message either on Instagram or Facebook at That's So Chronic or an email, hello at jessbryan.com, saying what you've enjoyed or learnt along the way. I'm officially starting my campaign to have a media pass for Paris 2024, and every little bit of feedback is really helpful for that. And if you're new around here, welcome to That's So Chronic. It's been a pleasure to have you with us throughout the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics. If you'd like to hear more from me and some incredible guests from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses, make sure you've pressed that green follow button on Spotify or the purple subscribe button on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Join me back here in your favourite podcast app on Tuesday as we resume our regular Tuesday interview series. I'm going to leave you with a quote from New Zealand Paralympian Nicole Murray. No one knows what you're capable of other than you. 
Don't listen to other people. They don't know what you can do.